0: So we have Jarek Chu with us. We're going to talk about uh, net operating income boosters, basically other ways besides, of course, coming in there and just increasing rents uh, with tenants to add value to your apartment building that will hopefully be a complementary effect that will help your tenants as well. Um, So we're going to talk to him about today the the effects of actually doing this um, both for the short term and the long term and happy to dive in. So Jarek,
1: take it from here. Great. Um, so, yeah, so for, I guess, the purpose of this is really, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to understand payback period, cost-benefit analysis of different NOI boosters, so to speak. And, yeah. um, you know, initially just the preliminary, um, you know, idea of, oh, does this makes sense or does it not make sense? Um, so so it's not really diving into the weeds of, you know, the full execution, but uh, more so, you know, where should we kind of focus our efforts, what are some opportunities and risks to know about? And um, what kind of makes sense from there? Okay, so, you know, like the number one thing is um, replacing kind of the water fixtures and trying to find a water savings program. So, you know, putting in sink aerators, replacing shower heads, possibly going for toilets, uh, things like that. I think right now, just the easy day one fix would be shower heads and like aerators. Um, and those seem to be pretty like day one things that seem pretty easy to do. I'm just wondering, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, kind of the opportunities and if there's anything missing there from the water savings program.
0: That's one of my favorites, especially if it's an older property, it's an, it's an all owners paid property. It can help you cut down your water bill, right? Cause aerators their effect here is that makes it feel like you're still getting a good supply of water. And that's what the aerator does. And not just be a trickle, but it actually cuts down on water usage, right? Cause we've all, you know, started to shower and then thought about something else and got out there and been on the call for 15 minutes, the shower is running and your tenant's doing the same thing here. And so the more you can limit on that exposure to your water bill, doing things like this that can ultimately benefit um, not only you, but still not take away from your tenants, it's a huge value add. So you can do this right over the course um, and you will see the lagging effect based on your water bill comes in, it could be 45, 60 days, you'll start to see some inherent um build up that will be beneficial to you. Toilets are another one you can do too. Um, There's a plug and play here because you you wanna make sure that you don't create more of an issue for you based on the age of the building here. So I would say if you're gonna do the toilets, I'd wanna um, scope out basically your, your sewer pipes, right? because your waistlines, because if the waistlines are small or, or trouble or a lot of blockage here, well, you're now creating a lot less water volume going down the toilet here. So you might create more problems in the back end. So I've actually had it work almost 90% of the time. One time it hit us where we had to replace two sewer pipes. Now, ultimately, in the, in the benefit of the property, um, of course, it adds more value, but it uh, exacerbated that problem or, or shortened the time frame to where we may have never faced that problem if we kept it. So the overall long-term effect of holding the property is um, actually paid off. But you do want to get to a point to scope out those lines right there to see what you're dealing with because it may bring you some other things that you need to go up and and look at. And so part of that here is that if you go into a building that's you know 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, do the sewer pipes? Is there cleanouts? Because that might be the first part here is that you do want to go and add cleanouts to. That's, again, it's not something that you can see on paper as an NOI booster, but it's something that can help build out to the efficiency of your building. So the part thing for the NOI booster is there's things that are going to add and there's other things you may need to do that you won't be able to see on paper, right? So, so you talk about like anything, like the podcast, like, like we do podcasts, right? Great to get out to the audience, but I can't see like a real-time effect of like all the people that it's helping out there because it's just helping, right? And we're having great feedback from it. But in the same part with water savings, you can see a direct dollar to dollar effect. However, if you went out there and we're building new development and you decide with that new development, you know, say you're in um, Arizona, I'm just picking somewhere out where it's, it's predominantly high, right? You can look at different, of course, materials for your roof. You can also look at putting a bunch of trees out there that may add more shade to the building, so it's going to be hard to quantify on on what the savings will be. But it can be built in, and there will be savings because instead of having the, the sun beat on the building all day, the trees will now provide shade, right? And so, looking at it both sides of what's my plug and play there.
1: Got it. Got it. And I guess for knowing, you know, what makes sense in terms of uh, you know savings, and if if it is, if you can even realize savings. It's really just about you know the rates for like gallon per flush, um, gallon per minute, and then you know kind of calculating the savings there, and then um, seeing like a payback period within your your hold, right? Is that kind of just the method to use? So you want to look at what's the return I'm seeking
0: here, because there's many companies that can come out there, and you can look at a few different spots. There's water saving companies you can go over and talk to and give you an estimated savings, right? over the course of a lifetime. So you can look at your you know, past water bills, whether it's done quarterly, monthly, however it's done here, you know, every two months, right? So, and see what has been my water usage and then what will be my potential savings here if I make these changes. Now, is it gonna be apples for apples? No, but they're pretty good and pretty close. Cause on the other front, you could look at different things to separately meter the units or other points here where you can change it up. Or even on the other side, You could do zero of this, although I do suggest looking at some kind of water savings program, but create a billback that can be for the tenants if it's going to match the area, right? Because the billback can also help to have the other effect. There's the uh, rubs process where you're you're doing a ratio of usage billing back to the tenants or a flat billback, which people may do based on, um, owners may do based on unit size, square footage, or other points. What you would hope is that, Tenants are aware that they're now paying for their exposure of utility usage; that they'll be more apparent of it. Um, it are you going to have a mix of some will, some won't? Yes, of course. But again, like the thought is that 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 will be hopefully more helpful to keep tenants more aware of this approach. Okay, okay. And and so I guess- and I didn't touch on uh, before you jump in there. Returns typically we're looking for a return over the course of like three to five years. That's our typical hold period. So we want to see a typical return of at least 12% really on, on our money for that to go in there. And that's why things like a, a solar that's going to have a long span of life before we really see that is, and it's so day one um, cost prohibitive, depending on where it is, where there's going to be something that will have to get passed on to the next owner that makes it something that's hard to go after to use solar.
1: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm okay and for you know I think a pretty easy one i don't know how effective it is but like just tenant um you know information and like just informing them about the program and and trying to see if you can get them to be more you know conservative with with utilities and whatnot i mean just a simple like one percent reduction just from that could be pretty huge and, and it's a pretty cost-efficient way of, you know, um, lowering expenses. Do you see any opportunity for that? Or maybe, like, you know, is it just, like, posting signage and, you know, maybe hosting, like, a contest or something for every month or something for the lowest unit or something? Um, Is there a lot of play there, or is it kind of just hit or miss? You know the contest is interesting. I I don't know,
0: you know where, where tenants' interests lie. What what the contest approach would be. Um, however, I've never thought of that. So that could be a potential. I've done contests in other ways for like tenant referral programs to have like tenants come and bring their friends. Because you find when tenants live together, you know, with their friends, they're going to stay longer, right? But what we call it is sure. tenant awareness, which is basically tenant training when we take over a property. Tenants have been trained that the pr- the prior ownership. He's not going to fix things, not going to want to really keep up, you know, potentially the opportunities we're finding here. So the tenant gets set to not call, right? Because like, oh, you know, my my faucets, it, it's leaking. So let me call down there. No one picks up. Okay. I'll put in the maintenance request. Okay. A day goes by, two days go by. I'll call again. No one comes out. And at a certain point, they're like, oh, this is so much effort. I'll just, it's, it, I'll just put a cup under it, right? Well, that's water going down the drain. So the tenant awareness to say, what's your open CapEx? Doing a water walk, which is basically where you have your crew, it could be your property manager, a plumber, walk all the units and look to circumvent problems that are one existing or two existing, that can save you a lot. And you also want to let tenants know that there's a new group in town. We want to make things better. We want to make this a better place for live. So you can come in there and set that narrative where tenants, you know, they don't they they don't want to live in a place that's not working well, right? They they you know no matter what our mindset can be, they want to live in a great place. So they and they can afford what they can afford. However, they don't want to live in something that's falling apart. So if someone can be there to fix it, they're, they're going to be more. Um, Treat it like their home instead of just like something that they're passing by, right? So it's going to add value sure. on that stance where you can help on both sides because you do the water savings, but you also do the tenant awareness, you're going to have that perfect storm.
1: Okay, right. It's just a, a training thing that needs to be put in place like day one, setting expectations.
0: Okay, and it's the awareness is more what are your open maintenance calls, and then doing as you say you're going to do. Give us those calls and there's gonna be a certain point where there's gonna be a time frame that's allowable, say 48 hours to respond to, to have something fixed or emergency is gonna be 24 hours or less, you know, hopefully 12 hours or less, depending on what the emergency is, right? And so there's gonna be certain things like, I don't know, um, a, a door knob is loose, right? That's not going yeah. to be like a day one emergency run to, So it's going to be on a list or something with the blinds, right? The date that is not going to be apparent, but you want to set the narrative like, okay, thank you. Received. This will be done in this timeframe, 48 to 72 hours. Anything emergency on that front will be happening, you know, immediately as available within that first 24 hour timeframe. Got
1: it. Okay. Um, okay. So I think the next item I was thinking about is a little bit more of the harder side of things to implement, which is like, um, carports, I guess for one, um, there's limited parking or there's you know like 40, 40 units, I think 25 parking spaces and they're pretty full. So maybe we' are thinking of reserved parking, carports or building something like that and then renting it out on a monthly basis. Um, so you know we we're thinking you know of something you know just buying off of Amazon for like 300 400 bucks. I don't know if that's a sustainable model. And then putting it in place and renting it out. Um, you're trying to think about the risk for that. So it works best in
0: areas that either have a lot of hot heat or have a lot of, um, you know, um, adverse weather, right? So it works, works okay. in those both areas here. Now, you can do two things. One, you can see, are any other properties doing this? What are they charging, right? Of course, you could think of a couple ways. When do tenants want something that can help them when when parking's uncertain and maybe they have to park far away from where they live, especially when they're bringing in with groceries, right? Or they have a part where their 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 car is constantly exposed, whether it's to the heat, right? And so it's making, or it's covered with snow all the time, or you can solve this, right? right? So you can have that, or even garages, right? What are other properties doing it? If it's not the point, before taking the risk, you can even survey your tenant base. We are looking to install these things at a term. This will be a signup list. Who would be interested, right? And if you get, you know, so, and if you get 50 signups, like, wow, okay. So we're going to have a lottery order. But if you get five, you can look at it to a point. Okay. If I put in 10 of these and assume more are going to come in the future, 10 at this point, maybe I'm gonna get another $50 a month, right? And so 10 is gonna take me, say it takes $10,000, right? The $50 I get a month across five of them, that's 300, 3600, that 3600 on my like $10,000 investment, I'm basically paying it back in three years. You're, you're tracking that, but it's about, you know, you'll make that, so that's, right. that could be a good investment. And that's pretty back in the napkin math, but say that was, you can say, okay, mm-hmm. Now you want to set, is there anything with permits, talk to the town, make sure you're not going to do something you put in there just to make sure right. that, you know, it's as easy as you want them to go put a car parts and they're not going to yell at you. Right. But that, right. that is that point. Even setting up parking that can make it, that can be more desirable can help you too. Right. Cause you do want to have a certain allocation of parking spaces per unit based on what's needed. Also to be fair, just so one person who has a single fam or a, a one unit, uh, one bedroom unit doesn't have six cars out there or something crazy, right? And yeah. so just to make sure that it's fair across the board of allowed cars. Right. Okay. Now you will have to build this in because remember, you're going to come into leases. So it will be opportunities mm-hmm. that you can one, add this as a rider to, to existing leases or two, but you won't be able to break leases and try and add something on to people. So like say you're doing trash valet for people that you know, maybe the dumpsters are far away and you're off for the service. You're not going to add this on. Um, You can elect to give tenants the opportunities here, but if you're going to install like a a bill back or like a rubs, like that will be with new leases here.
1: Okay, so along with anything that gets charged to tenants or any new services that go with a tenants, is that typically, does that typically get added on per the renewal of the lease rather than just- Yeah, the lease is set as terms,
0: right? So you're gonna stick to those Mm -hmm. lease terms. So part of your process here is to say, okay, how does my lease expiration cycle work? So you take your 12 month horizon and you say I'm going to four in January, six in February, one in March, seven in April, and then now you can gauge it all the way through here how you can do your renewal process because you do want to look if I am going to put these charges in, but potentially have some rate increase with that overall effect on my tenant, right? Because you may look to say that a all in price will be better where if you're going to if you're trying to do a you know a rate increase. And, and it's going to be on your tenant base too. Like what's happening out there. So if you're going to do a rate increase, say $50, but, but you do, you really want it to be $30 of rent and $20 of water. Is it better for you to go in with that rate increase to say that I'm going to do a $30 rate increase on rent and $20 um, bill for, for water, bill back for water, or just do $50 across the board. They both accomplish the same thing. It's going to be easier for you to have them separated. However, you want to know how your tenant base uh, sees it also based on comparable properties if everybody else has it, it is basically looks like they're paying for water but the paying for water is because they're including that in their in their charge and that is a is an apples for apples on your tenant base you probably want to want to stay the course right and but if you because you could pay 800 versus the other 800, right, where if you says on that front, the 800 on that side where, where the water's included, but if you're 750 with $50 of water bill, that one person who, who might be more aligned
1: just to go to the easy 800 where they're paying one check. Mm. Okay, okay, got it. Um, great, so next couple items is for, so we've heard about this plant growth regulator where you essentially you spray the grass, it reduces the, the grass growth and as a result, your landscaping costs you maybe can reduce that frequency by 50 um, you percent know, and that gives us you know uh, a potential savings um, I don't know how effective those are but um, do, do you have any kind of tips on on whether that's doable or kind of how, how to do that just I know that landscapers may have a you know conflict of interest they will always want to you know do the work but then at the same time if you're making them spray the work it kind of Fits the purpose. What do you think about that? Well,
0: they're going to pay you for that charge too, so it's going to be a plus or minus trade-off, right? And 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 they they're typically going to offer that service with it there, you know. So like we're not. So if they're offering a service, sure, you can go in there. But you want to see is this something that happens a lot in the area? Like how much grass do I have? Do I have like ten acres of open field that they're cutting, or is it basically they're just cutting you know right around the curbs, like just around my building, right? So it's limited on the grass. Almost look like you know, I need to cut this every two weeks. Like, what is this, right? There's gonna be a certain yeah. point where the, you wanna look at the effort based on the savings. Like if it's gonna save you like right. $20 here and there, it's a lot of effort. If it can be substantial mm. savings. So if your landscape is $2,500 a year, and that's pretty comparable out there, and maybe you get it down to 2,100, although it may look like some savings on the front end, but the effort to do that, is it, is it
1: worth it over yeah. time? Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, as you know, your think, energy um, could be
0: spent better working with tenants, right? Or even like for this, like some of the parts of they're having a lot of problem with grass. Like look at the other side. Oh, it's because they have pets. Okay. Well, the pets are just going wherever they want because there's no designated areas. Sure. Could you make a designated area, right? And so some of these things are it difficult to say this. Is going to increase the bottom line, but overall, it creates more community of feel, creates more desirability by your by your property because it doesn't look mismatched. So ultimately, adds to the value of your property because it's making it more of a community.
1: Right, right. So it's about, yeah, okay. So a little bit about the spend of effort, whether it makes sense or not for other. That's a lot of things, too.
0: You can always find ways to save money, but is it worth it? And is it going to have a, um, for the effort, for all the time you're going to put in, like the 10 meetings you have to go about it, learning about all this product, or is your effort better spent where something that you can start to push the value in another way with the property, right? And so it's time, commitment, energy, and truth, whether the process even works or not, right? So maybe it does, like, does it show about it by 10%, you know? And so what does that actually do for the process overall?
1: Mm -hmm. Got it. Let's see. A couple last ones. I think it's a cable contract, getting that in place, and then um, storage space. So I think for cable contracts, currently all tenants have their own, um, you know, their own, they're handling on their own. Um, Possibly bring one in to the property itself and then, Charging for it um, could be a play. I've heard about some things where um, it's not possible based on like laws or whatnot. You know anything about that?
0: Uh, you can look at it state by state regulation, but the most part it okay. is. And you can talk to the cable providers. What you have is you have two different sides non bulk and bulk. All right. So, bulk is typically you'll see that in a lot of new construction. What you'll find here is they can get a bulk rate. Um, the cable company for access to your building will pay you like a decorating fee, like an upfront flat fee that will be, say it's five dollars per door, 100 per door. And you are going to pay for every unit, whether there's a tenant there or not, a certain amount. And w- because it is bulk rate, you're typically able to get a discount. So if cable, TV, the whole package costs, you know, $50 a month, maybe we'll give it to you for 30. And then you're able to go back and, and now bill the tenant at the $50 mark. Right, but note that if you're, you know, 10% mar- um, vacancy, 5% vacancy market, you're paying for those units every month, whether there's right. a tenant there or not. On the other side is non-bulk. I like non-bulk better for properties we're taking on, 60, 70, 80 property right here, because inherently here, same thing's can come back with leases. If for this uh, cable, it's going to, all, and you put a bulk uh, basically bulk option on, you're going to be paying for all the tenants that still have leases in place that you're not going to be able to bill them until their leases come up. And from that, you're going to be more exposed to having to get that money from there. I like the other part where you'll get a smaller decorating fee, but the revenue share, because on the bulk, bulk or non-bulk, you'll still get a revenue share based on based on what it is, but your revenue share is more on you getting a discount on the rate. On the non-bulk, you're going to do a revenue share. Say it's, you know, it might be based on just the infiltration, how many people sign up. But it's less exposure for us. So if I have 25 tenants show up, um sign up or a hundred tenants sign up, I may get, you know, a 25% revenue share versus a 50% revenue share based on sign up with the companies right there. But it, it puts me at less exposure right now because it's basically committing me to it. I get the upfront, which goes to the bottom line, but then I'm not stuck to having to pay for all these tenants, especially if I'm having the majority of the leases not come on for six, eight, nine months. The cable companies are constantly going to want to push you to the bulk, right? And some, some will give you a lesson that you may have more uh, difficulty getting into it with that, but you want to look at your risk exposure if you do go bulk. New construction makes a lot of sense. You live in buildings, that you'll see it that's just built in like that as it is. Um, but for existing buildings, I, I always want to try and get the non-bulk because it puts less downside risk on this. This is also gonna be a cost. Somebody is like laundry contracts and others, same thing with the laundry contract. That's going to, if it exceeds the life of your ownership, is going to be passed on to the new owner. This does not get canceled. We're like some landscape and some garbage, some things you can transfer over. This uh, laundry cable will not um, stop at a sale. Right, it'll, it'll continue on to
1: the next one. correct. Okay got it um i think that's generally it I, I think um some other things that i thought about was like collecting an application fee which is not in place and then collecting pet rent for pets in place um i think for for pet fees you know i was just thinking you know for it it does have you know a built-in um wear and tear into the building and then you know you have Um, probably have like roaches and like, you know, fleas and whatnot. and um, Yeah. I would
0: say I'll give you the easiest solution here is that if these are warranted in the market, you should bill for all these. Of course you have proper application fees and all the other points, but pet fees, remember these will all tie into the lease though. So if you have a current pet there and there's no, Lease with it, right? It's not part of it. There, you're not gonna be able to start billing for it until that lease comes up. But you should go in there and see what's the what is the standard. So typically, it, maybe it's a $250 deposit and another $50 a month, $30 per month for for a dog. You're gonna allow potentially certain breeds, and maybe you don't accept cats, right? And so you want to see what's the market. Also, rely on your property management company so you get to match what is happening there, right? So the bigger piece of the puzzle is just saying what's happening in the market and match it. Typically, you're, you have a good property management in place. It is going to be apples for apples that they're going to go in there and have proper procedures for a new, new applicant coming in there. But you do want to put in some kind of pet fee here, right? But on the counter too, you also don't like, if all of your building, all of the surrounding comps are accepting pets and you're like, oh, I'm not going to accept pets, it's going to put you at a disservice from your leasing perspective too, because you're going to be the one that's not matching the market. So you do want to trend to the market and see where it is. Most mm-hmm. places you're going to see a pet charge and so I would just follow it.
1: Okay, right, right. Yeah, I think it's a lot of research with just comps and things nearby. A lot of research there. Okay. Um, I guess from just that preliminary research, that's kind of just the list I kind of created and all the, the worksheets that we have. Is there anything that you see maybe um, fairly general that I, I can maybe, or anyone should really look into more um, that's maybe missing from the list. You know, you, you want to look at this, the part
0: for storage too, right? That's the same right. part of what your your turnovers are. Storage may or may not work. I'd survey first to see if it's worth the cost. But, you know, at one right. point, it cost us like $2,500 to put like 10 storage units in. And we, we even though we rented out like five of them, we're getting like 25 a month, right? So 25 a month, $300, I had the money back in like a year and a quarter right? Or a year, year and four months. So it made sense, even though, and we, we didn't test it at first, we just did it because we had all those open spots, but just make sure, because you have to think about, you know, security, all these other points, just just like, if you want people right, going right, down right. there. So just make sure that you're covering your bases, but other things that can make it go. Like I would say another piece that we didn't talk a lot on, would be LEDs, right? Or timing and lights. So like the hallway light so it doesn't stay on forever. Is there light timers that go on, or changing up LED bulbs, or looking at a point where if there's no insulation or attics, you know, or if there's water pipes that are that are, you know, constantly hotter, there's no insulation around those, or even the windows, the R value on the windows, right? That if the windows are single pane windows and basically all the air and heat is going in and out of the windows because there's no insulation value left to them. That's another case in point you want to look at because replacing those windows can have a really good effect. I'm going to have to jump off, man, but these are great questions. If you come up with some more, please let me know. But I talk a lot of these with the asset manager because this is the right thought track for you to have to create a lot of value here. Because if you look at most of these here, most of these improve the property without having a negative effect on the tenants, which is a huge win on both sides, right? Some of these, the tenants will have to pay because it's something that should be paid for it. But when you can have that hand in hand here where you're adding value and then asking for, for revenue, it, it, it makes it a more home, harmonious place to live and not something like, hey, just give me money for this, right? right? And you'll see the effect overall based on you'll see that people will start treating this more like a home. <laughs> love it, right. man. This is awesome. Right. Keep crushing it. Thank Go crush it. doing this, buying multifamily and doing master or doing a uh, finals in the same week. Gotta love
1: it. yeah this is the final week so
0: hopefully we get
1: that done and i'll be done with finals the rest of my life or so Uh, to
0: speak hey we're always learning man i I thought one day i'll never do testing again i was like every day is a test (laughs) in a fun way so you're well into it i wish uh my at your age i was i was doing different things man you're in a good spot so really good thought tracks today um, we can work with some testing these out, but I would just say track the market. That's going to give you a lot of feedback you need is knowing what the competitors are doing. There's going to be certain parts where you outshine them, but you know if, the, if it's working for the market, it will work for you, and that's an easier risk allocation than just diving in the front end. Great. All right.
1: Thanks so much awesome for work, man.
0: Have a great... Are we on Tuesday? Have a great Tuesday. We are. Yeah. I'll see you later. Send you. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.